Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography and technology. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. This episode is sponsored by Luma Labs, maker of the Luma Loop 3.5, the modular quick adjust sling featuring hard mount technology. We'll tell you more about this later in the show. This used to be the time of year that I looked forward to. We would get new iPhones and new Macs and new operating systems. And now this is the time of year that I fear because we get new iPhones and new Macs and new operating (laughs) systems. And so many things go wrong and there are so many changes. And I just get frustrated that they keep removing features, adding features that don't work. I mean, as we record here on the 29th of October, um, Apple released iOS 13.2 for the iPhone and iPad, and they also released an update to the software for the HomePod. And a lot of people applied this update to their HomePods, which stopped working. You and I have been testing versions of iOS and uh, macOS beforehand, and there's always that aspect of, okay, well, we know this doesn't work because it's in beta. Is it going to be fixed? And then sometimes things aren't fixed. Sometimes, as we'll discover, features are missing. And then it turns out that the features are missing never to return. And so, you know, there is that amount of, okay, I need to recalibrate my knowledge for what's happening. Now, I don't think that's all bad, and there are some good things that we're going to bring up, but you're right. It's a lot to process. It is, and especially because both of us write books about this stuff, and we have to keep up with all the changes. Um, In particular, um, one one of my books, if I can plug one of my books, can I? Absolutely, because I have one too. Okay. Take Control of Mac OS Media Apps, which talks about the apps that replace iTunes. Uh, Up until the very last minute, it wasn't clear about certain features, whether they were going to be in the final version or not. So I was going through the manuscript that I had updated starting in August um, a number of times in September, checking new things, and then a new beta version would come out, and something would be changed. And then you know what they do? They just change the shapes of the buttons, and then you have to redo all your screenshots. And Yeah. Here's an insight into the, the book writer's life. Yes. For me, my plug is I've just released Take Control of Your Digital Photos, second edition, version two, if we want to be specific on the, the full title, that talks about having a photo management system and dealing with all your photos and trying to figure out, okay, we have all these photos. What do I do with them? Not necessarily how to edit them, but how do I organize them? How do I find the, the good ones? And... I'll even throw in a little half other plug. You can get it in a bundle with Jason Snell's new Take Control of Your Photos book. We had Jason on last year as a guest. So those are our plugs. Yes. Okay. So we wanted to talk about what's new in macOS Catalina and iOS 13 as far as photos are concerned. A couple of different elements. The Photos app on Mac, the Photos app on iOS, and the camera We did talk a little bit about the camera, I don't know, a month or two ago, but it was just yesterday in iOS 13.2 that the new Deep Fusion feature um, finally shipped. Deep Fusion. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds really impressive. Um, I only just did a couple of tests 
taking photos of one of my cats, Rosalind, in the bed this afternoon, and they look terrible. So I don't think they're actually using Deep Fusion. Let's start with the Photos app. We've been talking long enough, and I really hate podcasts where people start just talking and not getting into the topic, but we are getting into the topic, letting you know that we've been looking at this stuff for months. Um, I downloaded the first beta of iOS 13 in June. I don't know when you did. I didn't really pay much attention to it until I think around the end of July, but we have had months to play around with this, as you say, because we both have developer accounts, so we get early access to this. So with the Photos app on iOS and iPadOS, if you have done any editing in them, and I'm sure you probably have even even a little tiny bit, whether or not uh, you know you just make a little bit of edits, or if you are doing more extensive edits, you'll notice there's a lot different in these versions. Now, all the basics are there, but Apple has really expanded the number of tools, which is a good thing because up until now, the the Mac version has had a, a whole lot of extra tools that the mobile version didn't. There are now more controls for things that you actually would use. So for example, there's now a dedicated vignette control. If you wanted to apply a vignette, You'd have to go to an outside app to do that or wait until you could do it on your Mac. And, you know, not everybody is going to use a vignette, but I find, especially sometimes with uh, portrait shots or landscape shots even, you add just a little bit of a vignette. It adds some some contrast to the image and just it elevates it slightly without making it look like, you know, one of those 1970s uh, dark oval types of of super dark vignettes. You mean 1870s? 1870s. Well, 1970s, 1870s. I don't think we were doing vignettes in the 1970s. We were doing Kodachrome and Tri-X Pan, and generally vignetting wasn't a thing. (laughs) But vignetting does have that sort of vintage look. And one of the problems with vignetting, uh, boys and girls in Radioland, you should not use vignetting too much. It should be very subtle. There are some exceptions, but in most cases, you want it to just be a subtle change in gradient just to draw the eye a bit to the center. And and I see lots of photos on social media where they've overdone the vignetting. So yeah, that's my yeah. rant for today. It's definitely an artistic choice, but yeah. Well, no, it's not an artistic choice for most people. It's just, ooh, this looks interesting. Boom. <laughs> let's go. Let's hit the slider all the way up. You know, someone does it in Snapseed and does, you know, vignetting with like one of those vintage color schemes with a, a texture over it. An artistic choice can still be a bad choice, yes. okay, <laughs> but it's still enough. an artistic choice. Now, I want to rant about an editing tool that they have removed from iOS, and and I think we need to take this – I think we need to start a petition. They have removed the black and white tool from iOS. As someone who worships black and white photography, the inability to convert a photo to black and white the way I want it, and I'll explain why I say that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think is criminal. I think that – This should be taken to The Hague. Um, The United Nations should look into this. (laughs) Now, you still have three filters. You have a monochrome noir and silver tone filter. But that's like you're cooking something and you have a choice of putting wasabi, ketchup, or curry powder and no subtlety, right? (laughs) Um, The thing about the black and white tool, which you'll see on the Mac if you use photos on the Mac is you have these options to slide where the different colors are changed. Now, this is a much simpler black and white tool than what you'll get in a Lightroom or any other 
uh, app where you generally have six color channels and each one has a separate slider, but still you have options uh, on the Mac um, for contrast and for the, for the overall toning, and you can't do that on iOS and it's not fair. So real quick, what it used to be in iOS 12 and earlier was a dedicated control that did have either that large uh, slider that gave you a visual idea of how things were going to change. There was also one for color. There was also one for light. Right. All three of those are gone, and we can rant about that too. Yes. And then you could open options and be a little bit more specific for those of us who want a little more tone control. All of that is just gone. And that is the thing that I mentioned earlier that I thought was probably, you know, a bug or during the development versions, maybe it wasn't working. So they, they, they pulled it out temporarily, but no, it's just gone. So your options now are, as you said, either use uh, one of those presets or, and I find this functional, but I think counterintuitive for most people, you can go to the saturation control and bring that all the way to zero. Well, the problem is that before you had two levels of control. You had the, the basic slider, and then you could expand it and get into more detail. Now you have 15 individual controls plus the magic wand, and you need to know what they mean. Whereas before you, as you said, you had that visual indicator, kind of like a progress bar or a scrubbing thing. And yeah. you would see, for instance, and you can see if you have photos for the Mac, what it essentially looks like is five thumbnails of your photo with the different amounts of light or color or the black and white adjustments, etc. And seeing that on a phone is a lot easier than going through the 15 things. And let's see, I'm not really a photographer, so I'm definitely know what shadows means and, and vibrance. I know what vibrance means. Do you? It affects saturation, but doesn't affect skin tones. Although I will admit that I don't know the math behind it to, <laughs> to describe exactly. I know th the effect of it, but, but you're right. Um, also, the, the interface for this is, I don't know, I would say not as friendly because you, you have to slide back and forth just to see what the items are. I mean, I guess... Stepping back a little bit, it amazes me that Apple, who for years has made decisions based on, specifically in, in the camera and photo realms, they've made decisions based on what's going to be the easiest for your average user to, to understand. And that's why I, I really liked that slider because you could see immediately, okay, if I, if I slide this over here, my image will get brighter. And what was great about that is that Underneath that, without you having to do anything, the app would really smartly make all of its little adjustments to make something brighter. But for example, it wouldn't just crank the, the exposure. It would increase the exposure, but it would uh, decrease the highlights so you don't get blown out areas. It was a really smart tool. And that is just gone from this version. Yeah. And, and of course, this is still in the Mac version. So the three that have these colored thumbnail sliders are white, color, and black and white. And as you say, if when you raise the light on a picture, uh, I'm going to just take one as an example here. So if I increase the light of a photo here, it increases the brilliance, drops the highlights, increases the shadows and brightness, and ups the contrast and black point just a bit. And I must admit, I mean, I've been doing this stuff for a long time, and I wouldn't personally think that in order to get that look of the photo looking a little bit brighter, to use all seven of those different sliders. I wouldn't think of that. And essentially, to me, 
I will not use my iPhone to do many edits. I'll crop something. Maybe I'll change exposure or something, but I'm not going to bother to spend any time. And this is a shame because the iPad is an extraordinary device for editing photos. You have this big palette in front of you. You can zoom in and look at your photos close, and they've just taken everything away. Now, what this means is that First of all, we're talking about the Photos app, and and I'm thinking a lot of people don't use the Photos app for editing. They might use it for their catalog because it puts photos in the cloud. It's automatic between an iOS device and a Mac. Maybe you're using Lightroom, Affinity Photo, um, Pixelmator Pro, which is my current um, favorite on the Mac. If you really want to do edits um, on an iOS device, get a different app. Use Photos for cataloging and clouding and sharing, but just don't use the Photos app to edit. I don't think I would go that far because it's still the default choice and it will still do a good job. But I think if you're like us and you want to be more specific, then you want to go into something like like Lightroom or whatever. Well, I think, no, it's too specific now on iOS. You have to know the effect of all those sliders, and I certainly don't oh, know I see all what you mean. of them. Um, yeah. I, I know that contrast and black point do certain things, but how many people who are just average photographers know what black point and contrast and shadows and highlight and vibrance are? Okay, let's take a break and talk about a cool new camera strap, and then we'll be back and we'll rant a little bit more. Should we do that? <laughs> I think this is this is our ranting episode. Okay, we haven't done a ranting episode yet. We haven't. We're too nice, but okay. not today. Back in a minute. Everyone needs a camera strap that is both comfortable and practical. The Luma Loop lets you carry your camera as a sling, so you can get into shooting position almost immediately. When you're not shooting, the aluminum and carbon fiber slides on the strap hold your camera snug to your body and out of the way, but the quick-release design means the next shot is never out of reach. The new LumaLoop 3.5 features a redesigned mount and aluminum D-rings that make it less likely the loop will get tangled or twisted. An updated QD loop for users of really right stuff plates features a new aluminum mount that is stronger, lighter, and has the same low-profile ring design as the regular loop. Two new Arca mounts will be launching in early November. All the materials are American-made, and Luma Labs offers a lifetime guarantee on everything they make. Photoactive listeners can get a 10% discount through the end of November 2019 using the code PHOTOACTIVE. Go to luma-labs.com to order your next favorite camera strap system. luma-labs.com Okay, so one thing to bear in mind before we go any further, and you probably know this if you're still using Aperture, because I'm sure there are people who are still using Aperture, is that it will not run on macOS Catalina. So you probably haven't upgraded to Catalina, and you'll probably be using Aperture for the next 20 years on macOS Mojave Mm -hmm. um, unless you finally give up. And and that's really annoying, the fact that these are silos, these apps that, you know, your edits are stored in the app and you can't. You can upgrade from Aperture to Photos, right? But you can't move from Aperture to Lightroom or to another app because it's just they don't read the same things, right? Or is it possible? It's possible. Actually, going back to my book, I I have a whole section on it. But it's kind of painful because if you're going from Aperture or even iPhoto, I'm sure maybe somebody here is still using iPhoto. If you go from there to Photos, like that's a nice clean move because obviously Apple – wants to bring all of your edits and everything forward. Once you take it out of there, it's complicated because let's, for example, none of your edits 
exist with the photo, technically. The edits all exist in the database. And so if you want to have all your photos, you could just go and export them all and then bring them into, say, Lightroom. But you don't get all the edits. And so then you have right. to so you separately... Right, so you can't go back and change them. You have to separately export the originals to make sure that you can get back to the originals. Exactly. And then separately export the edited version so you have a reference if you want to go back and, and, and redo right. the edits. So it's certainly clunky. It's problematic. And, you know, it's the thing that people argue about with, with, say, Lightroom or Aperture in this case, in that you're locking yourself in. Okay, so you wanted to briefly discuss the what I would call the fluff in the Photos app. And I only call it fluff because it doesn't interest me. It's this for you stuff. And yeah. so it shows memories and featured photos and shared album activity because I do have a shared album. Mm-hmm. And it after I updated to 13.2 last night, I think it was on my iPad, it said, ooh, here's a notification. We have a new album for you. It's called Four-Legged Friends from 2018. Now, it's obvious that I do take a lot of cat photos, as regular <laughs> listeners know. But do, do I really need to see an album of them? I mean, it's not like – they're not all my favorite photos. In fact, I'm looking at them, and some of them are photos, some of them are videos. So here's a video of Rosalind batting around a dead mouse that she's about to eat. I mean, why is Lovely. it showing me these things at random? <laughs> it was one thing that you said before the break that made me think of this, uh, because you know we were asking why why have all these specific editing controls? And I think this is just my speculation, but I think going back to you know Apple's approach to ease of use, that I think Apple's ultimately saying, okay, the first control that you have when you edit a photo is the magic wand to do everything automatically. Uh, the camera is already doing a lot of stuff automatically when you take a shot. And so I think the idea is, okay, click the magic wand. We're going to give you a really great picture, a really great edit of your picture. Hold on. I just t- tapped an album and started playing music and I don't know how to stop it. <laughs> Why is it playing music? Because it's a it's a, it's a it's automatically generated slideshow. Oh no! <laughs> okay, so that's the machine learning to play music that I don't want to that I don't want to hear. Yeah, not ask me if I want to hear music. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so I think uh, th- that what ties into this is um, you know Apple using machine learning to edit your photo, but then also using machine learning to bring up some of these things like like memories, sharing suggestions, they have edit suggestions. And it's all very uh, interesting stuff. There are sometimes when I like the things that it will pop up, like, you know, here's a memory from Halloween last year, for example. At the same time, there's nothing about it that just makes me say, ooh, I need to send this to somebody. I need to share this to somebody. So I think... Ultimately, all this is just uh, intended to increase engagement so that you can stay on your mode. We're not doing this podcast because we're people who take photos and share them on social media and stuff. And I think that this kind of feature does help people with social media. And they've been to a party with friends and they want to show all their friends, oh, look at all the great photos I took. And that's fine. 
Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think that's fine. I, I think many of our listeners don't really care about doing that. Um, so these are features to me that are kind of fluffy. But you know, Apple, believe it or not, Apple knows a lot about what you do. They know which features you use because most people leave the analytics uh, on when they set up an, an iPhone, an iPad, or a Mac. Mm-hmm. And through that, Apple knows which features are used. And a particular feature that was taken out of the iTunes app um, when it moved to music, um, I was told by a senior Apple person that, well, not many people use this feature, and we figured that it would be a good one to remove. And so they know what people are doing, and, and they're, yeah. building this, they're building this for civilians. They're not building this stuff for photographers. I'm willing to give them a pass. I think mainly because our attitude is it's there and I rarely look at it. Yeah. Also, if you're coming to photos under iOS 13, they've reorganized things just a little bit. There's now like a a selection of being able to view either all photos or you can do view by days or months or years, uh, which I think can be helpful if you have a better idea of what you're looking at. Like you know that you want a photo from, say, July, you know, tapping months helps you get to that a little bit quicker. But I think I think you and I are the same. We pretty much just look at all photos all the time or the, the, the all photo setting all the time. Or the albums where I'm looking for, so I have a favorites albums, album. Yeah. You know, I, I set a bunch of photos as favorites, um, so they show up as their own album. Um, I have specific um, albums of, of groups of photos I've taken that I organize, so sometimes I'll look at that. But I don't really care that much about the rest. One thing that I do notice is, um, as I was looking through these memories, um, I see a lot of memories at specific locations that are wrong. Oh. So, for instance, um, I have some photos from York. I lived in York for eight months in 2013. And some of the photos in this are photos that my son sent me of a Christmas dinner in Paris. Now, if there's location data, it should be there. Mm-hmm. I think there must not be location data. So what Photos is doing is simply taking my location on that day. Yes, and putting those photos there. So yeah, the locations aren't really that good when you think about it. Well, uh, he probably exported the photos, and uh, I'm quite sure that it does not automatically export the location data just for privacy purposes. I think he sent them by email. Uh, and and I he I don't think he even took the photos. Um, I'm looking at one, and there's no location data. So all it's doing is is connecting my location on that day and assuming that the photos are there. Now I think yeah. that's a pretty rudimentary way of doing something that's really wrong because people do get photos from friends and family and add them to their library, and that means that the location stuff is pretty useless. Also remember that Apple assumes that every device is just one person. It doesn't really take family stuff into consideration. There are features that are for it, but I think Apple has always just assumed, you know, one person living alone in their apartment with all their devices. (laughs) We should move on to something more useful. Let's do, because even though not a lot has changed in the Mac version, uh, there's still a couple things I think we should talk about. Okay. So here's where I get into my biggest rant, and that is um, while we've been recording this podcast and beforehand, um, (laughs) Kirk and I were doing a few little tests to back up. When iOS 13 and Catalina first came out, there was a problem where if you edit something on your phone 
and it it gets sent up to iCloud or iCloud Photos. Uh, let's say you make an image black and white if you can figure out how to do that. <laughs> then it gets synced to uh, Photos on the Mac, and then you would open it and edit it in Photos on the Mac, and you may have the black and white version, but your sliders would not reflect in the same way. From what we can tell, we think maybe that was fixed in iOS 13.2, as we said, that was just recently released. I went to test that, and I am still looking at <laughs> Photos for Mac, and that picture is in full color, hasn't been touched. And this was an hour ago. This I, was an I hour ago. I took one of my photos, and, and I flipped it to black and white on the Mac, and it almost immediately showed up on my iPhone in black and white. Whereas yeah. for you, you're seeing it on the web, right? I'm seeing it on the web. I'm seeing it on my iPad everywhere except for my Mac. So for some reason, even though the Mac says that it's updating and it says, you know, updated 15 minutes ago, um, it's actually not. And, you know, yes, that could be a bug. Maybe I need to restart my machine, whatever. The thing that I hate the most is that there's no way for me to just force a sync. Let me click a button that says deliberately go to iCloud Photos and see if there's something different. Because clearly it's not doing that. And there are just other examples of things in photos that I wish had just just a manual push. There's facial recognition is another thing that drives me crazy because I'll add a bunch of photos. And um, I actually wrote about this uh, in, I think, tidbits. I'll find the link, put it in the show notes. Add a bunch of photos of people. And I know that those are people who are already identified. And so I want to then add them to, say, an album that's based on, you know, this picture of my wife. Photos does not automatically just do the facial recognition. It wants to do it on its own time. And so there'll be a little message at the bottom that says, photos will update once you're connected to power and photos is in the background. And I'm like, why? I understand that they probably want to do this to conserve battery life or what have you, but why can't I just say, no, I'm here. I want this now. Make this happen. Click this button. Yeah. Make it happen now. Wow, that felt good. You can, do it in, <laughs> you can do it in the music app and you could do it in iTunes. There was in the file menu, I think file library, update iCloud music library, yeah. something like that. You could force it because maybe you've added your own content and you want to get that to sync to another device. In mm -hmm. your case, you want to go the other way, but in both cases, it should happen. You shouldn't right. have to wait so long for it. Um, right. It will be affected by your bandwidth. When I previously had Victorian internet, it would take a long time for me to upload photos, but that's not right. an issue anymore. Well, and in fact, that's another thing that I've run into recently, which is there's also not a good option for pausing it. Now, but before, you could do that in, in the, the settings panel uh, in the Mac version. Um, now, you have to scroll to the bottom of your photos list, and there might be a, a link there that says pause uh, uploading. I don't think that that's a possibility on the iPhone or the iPad, which is annoying because what happened was I went to my uh, mom's farm, and she has satellite internet and um, actually, for that weekend, we had like a little Verizon hotspot thing. And I inadvertently, because I forgot to pause on the Mac and didn't have any way to do it on, on the phone, um, I 
blew through 22 gigs of data um wow. that uh, i know i know <laughs> i also i also had had a uh, uh, lightroom running and forgot to pause that and and i also had backblaze um and so basically you know all all this data was just you know being sent up well verizon was like whoa you must be doing something wrong and so they throttled the connection way down so we had a house full of people and terrible internet Victorian so, internet yeah i understand that apple doesn't want to give people too many choices but i think it's going in the wrong direction by giving them fewer choices don't just assume that the app is doing the right thing because sometimes i know better apple and i yes. want to do something specifically okay so here's something i just noticed while you were talking i clicked on people in the sidebar and photos and i and i have um set a number of faces for people i know family etc and my partner has a granddaughter named Summer, and she shows up twice. And when I click the second one, it says it shows one photo and then it says updating Summer. People will finish updating when photos is in the background. I hate that. Now, to be fair, it does recognize pets. Oh, well, that's good. So I have photos of Titus that I have marked as being Titus, but it only recognizes the ones that you've marked. I'm, I'm not seeing it pick up other photos. Oh, there's a thing. Confirm additional photos. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, oh, there don't appear to be any additional photos of Titus. No, I don't think that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is a way of using the app that we don't use, and I never even look at that stuff except for now. So, Well, I'm happy to uh, bring you into my world of pain. <laughs> well, you know, this is an example of I, there's a lot of really great, interesting underlying technology, and yet the interface for it is is just uh, either bonkers or non-existent. I'm, I'm going to bring one more thing uh, that I noticed, which is new in the Catalina version of Photos. Once I updated to Catalina, I opened Photos. And oftentimes when you do a, a version update like that, it needs to update the, the database. And I think it did that really quickly. And then I scrolled to the bottom of uh, Photos. Also, why can't I have my most recent photos at the top? Yeah. Uh, Anyway, scroll to the bottom, and um, at, at the bottom, it pops up this little animation. It says, leave device connected to power, and has like a, a, a queue of several things that are displayed, like, um, you know, looking for faces, updating, I don't know what else. But one of the things that I saw, I took a screenshot of it. This will be in the show notes. It says, detecting duplicates. And I was like, wow, that's cool. Like Photos has never had the ability to uh, find duplicates. And I think there's even one that says like either removing or, or uh, identifying duplicates. It's just there. There's no interface. There's no feature. There's nothing that actually deals with duplicates. So I don't know if maybe this is uh, – it's, it's just looking for duplicates in its internal database. But it seems odd that it would pop this up as a user – viewable option and then have nothing related to it. So maybe duplicates is something that's coming because the the Photos app wasn't really updated for the Mac. Maybe it's something coming in the future, but it's it's perplexing. Okay, shall we move on to our snapshots? <laughs> I think we should. <laughs> this has been a lot different than our usual episodes because we kind of really didn't plan anything and we just figured we were going to rant and so we ranted. Every once in a while, you have to rant. If there are other things that listeners have found that make them particularly uh, annoyed or 
things that you particularly like, jump into the Photoactive Facebook group and let's let's talk about them because it seems like there's always a lot more. Okay. So have you got something? I do have something. Going back to Kirk and I being quote unquote experts in our field and having tested things for uh, before they get released, sometimes things slip by you, even though it's something that you totally should know because of the stuff you're writing about. My snapshot today is the Lightning to USB 3 camera adapter by Apple. Now, one of the cool things about iOS 13 and iPadOS 13 is that we can finally connect some sort of external storage to an iPad Pro and be able to access that. That means you can uh, you know, pull things off of, say, a USB thumb drive, or you can take things from your photos library after you've imported them from your camera and then save them to an external device. You can create a backup on the fly, which is great. However, if you have an iPad Pro that's not the last version that has USB-C, you need this Lightning dongle. There are actually two, and I had an older one that just let me plug in a USB cable, but it didn't deliver power, and so it wouldn't work. Well, it turns out there's this other one, this Lightning to USB 3 camera adapter that has the circuitry, and it has a little connector so you can plug in a Lightning power cord to give you the power to work with external devices. This has been around for a while. I had no idea because I had the other older one, which is, you know, like $10 cheaper and worked just fine for just connecting a camera. So if you have an older iPad Pro with a lightning connector and you want to be able to take advantage of this new feature, you need this lightning to USB 3 camera adapter. It's $39, probably way too expensive, but it works. Kirk, what do you have this week? I have a podcast, and it's interesting. I don't think either of us has picked a podcast before. Um, I know you have a podcast. You have no, a podcast I, called Photoactive. And yes. No, I have, a pod- <laughs> I have many I podcasts, but this is someone else's <laughs> podcast. David Dushman, who was a guest on the show in one of the earlier episodes, he's recently begun a podcast called A Beautiful Anarchy. Now, this is the title of a book that he wrote a few years ago. It's not a book about photography. It's a book about the creative process. If anything, he's like a motivational speaker when he does this sort of writing. Um, the first episode is about imposter syndrome. The second one is about being overwhelmed with so many images and trying to sort through it. Uh, a later one is about perfection. Is perfectionism killing your creativity before it's even out the door? Now, I think that this podcast is just him reading chapters from the book, but it's very possible that as it moves on, if he continues after he's read the whole book, he'll have other topics. He sends out email newsletters um, regularly with interesting articles. So we'll link to it. It's not very long. The episodes are 10 minutes, 8 minutes. Um, and again, it's not about photography. It's about creativity in general. So if you don't like to listen to any podcasts about photography except for Photoactive, you can still listen to A Beautiful Anarchy and get some really interesting stuff. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash photoactivecast. That's photoactivecast in one word. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review in iTunes or in your podcast app.